Jimsta. And I'm Alley Cat. And we're two friends who love anime, love cocktails, and decided to do a podcast all about it. Each month we do a different anime, this month being Psychopaths. And each week we have a different cocktail to go along with the episodes we've just watched. So, Alley Cat, what's this week's cocktail? This week's cocktail is made with hypnotic, coconut rum, and triple sec. This electric blue cocktail will lower your crime coefficient as you watch this week's episodes. I call it the Dominator. I will say right this moment is my first time drinking this cocktail because I didn't get all the ingredients so just right now. But if you like coconut, you're going to love this cocktail. If you want to try out the recipe, it's posted on our TikTok at the Anime Bar. And if you make this at home, we would love to see your pictures. So please stitch us on TikTok or tag us on Instagram. Drink up and let's get started. This week we are covering episodes 1 through 6. Be warned, there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen these episodes yet, they are streaming on Funimation. The following is intended only for mature audiences. Viewer discretion advised. Episode 1, Crime Coefficient. Rookie Inspector Akane has been assigned to her first case, a hostage situation where the criminal criminal has avoided government and forced therapy. Akane's first day is no walk in the park as she is introduced to the crim- criminal enforcers that she will be in charge of and must make decisions as someone's life is on the line. So this was <laughs> this was a heavy start. I'm sorry for that. I just got to apologize to you in advance. They explode someone in this episode. So the weird thing about this episode is it makes you feel like, oh, did I like watch the right thing? Because it just starts off with a fight scene, which I think is like a dream sequence or I can't ever tell why they did that. The intro is a fight. It's part of the anime, I believe, right? No, it's not part of the normal intro. It's just like. But this first episode one is because it's them going up some stairs and fighting each other. Yeah. So they always start with like a little scene and then they go into the intro music. So this was like that little scene before and it'll come up later. So this is an anime that I've watched before. So it'll come up later. I don't know why they decided to start it like that. They just did. I was confused by so many people's very long names. Everyone has a really long name in this anime. Well, it's kind of like if you watch a lot of like crime and detective kind of animes and stuff, they always do that. You got to do like the official like investigator sounding names. So starting off an episode, I have not seen this anime before and I'm watching it and I'm getting a lot of Ghost in the Shell vibes and I'm enjoying that. Yeah, I think like for animation style um i would say that it's like ghost and shell and then a little bit cowboy bebop um is what it kind of reminds me of so i'm i'm really into it well i don't know if i'm into it or not but i'm feeling it this first episode but it's kind of this rookie person Mm -hmm. coming in it's like our main character is this rookie cop yeah so we start off with um akane and i don't remember her last name i think it's like akika mori or something like that um akane akika mori she uh is a new new inspector and they just like throws her in like we come in like the scene is like it's raining there's all these trucks you know coming in and everything um we have our classic glasses guy uh come in you'll find out his name is Ginaza later um and he's telling her like all right like we're on this like this is the case this dude took a woman hostage and they pretty much like i guess they're like in like a poor or like an abandoned area well he only takes this lady hostage because i guess in this world they scan you for your aura i guess it's called psychopaths uh, is that correct 
Yeah. They scan you for your psychopaths. And this is kind of like if you're walking, you might get randomly scanned. And this guy gets randomly scanned and his is um, a unnecessary or like a high level of it. And I believe when you have a high level of it, you go to mandated therapy, which I'm kind of like for. I don't know if I'm for mandated therapy, but like government therapy, I think that's good. Yeah. So in this world, so they're never going to just like outright explain what the crime coefficients mean. You kind of have to just put it together as you go through the show. But just from watching this, I think it's like 100 to 200 is like you're cool. You're fine. And then 200 to 300 is when you would get stunned by the guns that we'll talk about in a bit. And then above 300 is like you're going to jail or you die (laughs) if you get shot by the dominators. But that's about as much as you're going to find out about like what the colors and the numbers mean. Yeah. So this guy must be because when they first meet him, he he needs to be sent to like some kind of therapy to calm him down, I believe. So they're chasing him and he runs into this place and that's when he he kidnaps this this lady in this town or this slums i guess i don't know well i don't know how long did he have her for because she was like clearly dressed to go to go to bed like she's wearing like a teddy and everything maybe he broke into her house yeah i think that think that he just like took her but anyways so here we are they're they're with they have the hostage and he's basically like you know what i'm done like i'm already like he's been torturing her for a bit so a big trigger warning for this is it's gonna be there's assault I was not prepared for this part so early in the show. It was so intense. It happened so fast. Like, he looks at her, and he's like, well, I've always wanted to be with a beautiful woman. And then the screaming, her screams, like, the voice actors for this really put, like, all her heart into this. (laughs) Um, I do wonder, though, is it, because he says, like, I've always wanted to be with a beautiful woman. But he says it in a way of, like, I'm already screwed. Yeah. They're already after me. And I've... I'm probably going to go into this with the show as we go on because this is how I felt about it. But I feel like them scanning you and then them chasing you, like, more susceptible or, like, it rises your level. Because he's like, I'm already screwed, so I might as well keep breaking the law. Well, I think that they didn't start chasing him until he took the the victim. Like, they're going to go, like, come up and check up on you if you, like, scan bad. But he took it farther. So this is something that, like, it's probably been building up with him. Like, this dude's clearly crazy. So I don't think it's, like, a whole... Like, yes, there's flaws in the system, and we're going to see that, like, in this episode, where there's flaws with this, like, mind scan thing. But I think he was just crazy. But he has her, and he's about to, like, assault her, which I was... I was like, oh my gosh, I hope they come in before this. But at this moment, no. It's not... I'm just going to warn y'all, this is not that kind of anime. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm and I will try to be dancing around all this because it makes me quite <laughs> yeah, to, uncomfortable to keep going off of what you were saying. So that happens. Then they bring in what they call like the they're going to refer to them as dogs. So they bring in like the um, enforcers. And these are, you'll find out, are also, they call them latent criminals. So when you scan bad, like, I want to say, like, above 300, you're a latent criminal. And so you find out that the investigators are, their job basically is to be in charge of the enforcers. And the enforcers come in. I I don't know why she's kind of surprised, because kind of, she's been training for this moment to come in. But she sees them bring, uh, I don't know, it's like a paddy wagon. And the enforcers are in there. And that's when... Kinoza explains like what the enforcers are but I feel like she should have already known this this anime explains certain things but not other things 
Yeah, I don't understand. Like, they talk about how she was, like, top of her class and everything. But then the enforcers have to show her the dominators. Like, they open it up and they're like, hey, like, grab this. And, like, this is my thing. Is, like, do they have to have implants in their eyes and ears or something? Like, because uh, the dominator, like, it turns their eyes, like, light blue. Like, it looks like I chose the hypnotic for a reason. It looks like the dominator color. And um, so their eyes will flash, like, blue. And then they can hear... Uh, like this robotic voice in their head. I do think there's something in their brain, like in their minds or some implant. Cause it does look like they're syncing up or they do sync up actually. Yeah. Yeah. She feels like she, she needs to like do something like have a plan. Cause remember they're just like throwing her in there, but the two enforcers that she gets, it's an older guy and we'll find out his name later. They really don't like introduce like all of them like at once, but so it's an older guy and then a younger guy and they've got the typical gruff, detective anime (laughs) stereotype this whole thing is going to be a lot of stereotypes i do like that the gun basically tells you what to do they they were talking about the gun will scan someone and if that someone is a threat then the gun will assess the amount of force that needs to be used for that threat so basically it's just like a a point and shoot and then the the safety turns on and off depending on who it's pointed at and their threat level i was like well guns got safer in the future yeah kind of (laughs) but so Kogami, he's going to be the younger enforcer and he tells her like he this I don't know why she was shocked. I don't know why they didn't teach her in school, but the enforcers as we said are latent criminals. She's shocked to find that out and points the the gun at him and so she's able like that's her first time I guess seeing a reading. Um and so he he tells her, "Look, you're in charge of us. You know, we're basically like wild dogs and if you have to shoot us too because they're technically criminals. Well, she was like, shouldn't we come up with a plan? And then he was like, we are the plan and we're going to do things our way. And if you don't like it, shoot us. So basically he's like, we do what we want. And if you don't want us to do that, then you have to like knock us out. Yeah. So they get started. Now is where they're going (laughs) to go save the girl, even though like she's already been through the worst. Like the dude gets off of her. And is like, hey, like, check out your cra- your coefficient, too. So he tells her, like, yeah, you're you're messed up. They're going to come get you, too. Um, which I'm like, immediately, that's the flaw. Is like, this person, this is a victim. So, of course, their, like, crime coefficient's going to go up. What is a crime coefficient? Like, is that stress? I feel like this thing is, like, measuring stress levels. Yeah, it's like your stress slash, like, mental state. So, like, obviously, if you just go through something, like, your mental state is going to be unstable. And it's kind of like, you know, I guess they're using it to predict, like, if you're within this mental state, then you're you're more likely to commit crimes. I will say, though, when they first get to, um, I believe, Dominator, is that what's called? The Dominator? Yeah. Is set to, like, paralyze stun. Because this is going to come into play later. Because they point the gun at him, or they first scan him, and it's like a paralyzed stun scan. But then he jumps out the window with this this girl after telling her basically like you're in this with me you're a criminal too the dominator and they actually explain this one later but um when you're under and i don't know what the range is but it's definitely under 200 like it won't even activate at all like if your crime coefficient's good and then when you're in a certain range that's when it's, it's set to stun and then the next range is like lethal again goes it connects to they call it the sybil system and they're not going to really explain the Sybil system to you <laughs> until later. Like, you don't know what's running it, how it works, or anything like that. You're kind of just being thrown in as if this is, like, a society you should know. This really feels like, I don't know if you've watched this movie, but Minority Report. This feels so Minority Report-ish. Yeah, it does. 
Um, I kind of wonder if they got like inspiration from it, but yeah. So we <laughs> we get into like the um the chase scene, and there's like a lot going on. So I feel like it's gonna be kind of hard to to walk y'all through this like we normally do. Um, but it eventually comes to to a head when uh the two teams split up. So there's another like the lead inspector with the two enforcers, and then we have our rookie with her two enforcers yeah and they're chasing they're they're trying to corner this guy uh because he's running away so they're they're doing like this like you go that way you go this way we're gonna meet in the middle and we'll trap him so eventually they do come up one of the i never catch his name like i don't have him in my notes at all but like the youngest looking enforcer um he's like listening like he was like listening when she was being assaulted and um was like hey like if we don't do something now then he's gonna end up killing her so they're like hey you have you have like one shot like you know don't mess it up and then of course he messes it up so um and i don't know if they say his name yet do they i'm i think they probably like said it it later in my notes yeah i know they said all their names at some point because they're like talking to each other but it's so quick that you're like it's hard to catch but this is the point he jumps out the window yeah and i don't i don't remember how they get separate i know that they kill him first they shoot him his crime crime coefficient is like high so this is where we first see like oh it goes from stun to like lethal and it not only like this isn't a bullet coming out at them i don't know what it is it's like a laser beam yeah like as soon as it hits them though like their body like swells up and they explode yeah imagine like a grosser version of what happened to that girl and charlie in the chocolate factory (laughs) yeah and um of course this like freaks out the victim um and so she's screaming and then this is like the point where i'm like okay your screaming is getting irritating like oh, i want you to oh die. really i mean like she's covered in blood I she know. just she's been through a lot this past like three minutes i know i know i do feel bad for her but it was just like it was like too much like in was it if it was a real person and it was like real life happening no i would not say this is too much but for the show it's like one of those scenes that i end up having to just turn down or mute every time she screams so i was shocked though when uh what's his when uh the other enforcer kind of uh gosh i can't remember his name it's not the younger uh, one the older one no the older not the oldest one but the one that the one we're gonna be following a lot oh kogami yeah kogami when kogami scans our hostage lady with the gun now it says that she is a threat level and we must explode her yeah this this is flawed clearly (laughs) yeah um so then he's ready he's ready to kill her he's like the gun says let's do this and you know main characters they always have super strong morals and they're like super uh stubborn so there's no different with akane akane is like the voice of reason in this and she's like she's the victim like we don't need to kill the victim it's it's done um and they're kind of arguing back and forth at that and then so eventually like the victim runs like she takes off like she doesn't want to die and she's crazy at this point um which i feel like anybody would be just to like she's in that fight or flight mode and she gets oil she starts like pouring it all around her and and has a lighter so by the time akane comes up you know she's like all right drop drop the lighter which i was like bad choice of words but but before she doesn't akane shoot him yeah so this this? is yeah that's how she escaped it's kind of it's coming into that so he came in kogami came in and like because she had like just i think 
put the lighter away or she still had the lighter up and he's ready to shoot and she's like no don't like don't shoot and then she shoots him and so he's out and then she looks back at the girl and she's like you need to stop now like this is this is it you're safe like you have to quit and then like Akane's clearly like shaking like this is like a this is a really intense moment so she's clearly scared and she like I, I kind of admired this she still managed to like smile to like I guess let the girl know like hey it's okay and like she smiles so the girl puts the lighter away but then her threat level drops to uh like paralyzed force instead of exploding force yeah and then later they talk about like in case you're curious about the girl um (laughs) that she gets help uh they're able to take her in uh and then she gets help and then we have Mm -hmm. kogami who's still knocked out from the the stun gun. A lot happened this episode. A lot happened in a short amount of time. Yeah, they don't they don't give you a breather on this. They just dove in on it. But I will say those guns are pretty cool. I I, I enjoy the gun looks cool and when it transforms cuz each mode when it's just in scanning mode it looks one way and then when it's in paralyzed mode it looks another way and then when it's exploding mode it looks a different way i think it's pretty cool i do think it's a neat concept because then it would keep people from like you know shooting the wrong person but i mean they clearly exposed a a flaw in the system like right off the bat here i will say this another thing about the gun the gun scanning takes a very long time like that thing reads out a lot of data before it's like okay we can shoot now your guy would have a lot of time to come at you if you're just like holding that gun. I don't know. I feel like anime time and real time is always different, but they do kind of explain later. I think when they go to that factory, um, they explain how this how the system works, like how the scanning kind of works. So we will find out why it takes so long. So I think that leads us into episode two, which is called Those Capable. We dive a little deeper into the world that we are in as our group unpacks what happened in episode one. I feel like this was like a breather episode because they just like, they threw you in and it was intense. And this episode is is like for you to like just breathe again and relax. And I think one of my favorite things is, is you get to see more of the technology. I really love the technology in this anime because it's not so far off from what we're capable of already and the timeline is really not that far off like the older uh, enforcer still remembers before they had the symbol system i don't think i'll be alive for when we get this kind of like uh technology because our main character wakes up and her alarm clock is kind of this vr jellyfish that's just giving her all the info of the day yeah it's like this cute little like avatar thing and then it like follows her around um i really liked the food setting so she's in the shower and the the thing is like oh you ate this many calories yesterday you should do this many calories today and then like she gets to like pick like how many calories and what style of food that the thing prepares oh yeah i wrote diets would be easy in this world yeah which is probably i don't understand why you see fat people in it so i guess (laughs) you know what though we can't help ourselves yeah honestly <laughs> that's what i, I mean, was gonna say <laughs> if it was like you need to eat 200 calories i'll be like i'll do 300 right now and i'll fix it later but you, yeah. you never fix it i do i mean they still have restaurants and stuff so i guess everything's not so controlled i do enjoy that basically she has this kind of i wouldn't say it's like a blank apartment but it's like normal regular furniture but she has a 
I guess they have the capability of throwing on skins. Like, I guess that's a, if you're a video game where you know what skins are, but like overlays on top of all their furniture to make it look nicer and different. Yeah, I love that because I feel like for me, like I would be picking something like different every day just to like jazz it up. I also thought, is she, is she eating naked? Like when she sits down to eat her breakfast, is she just like I don't know? Is that something people do? I would I don't eat my breakfast naked. I don't eat any meal naked actually. Oh, I mean I think she was in her underwear and then she had like a towel draped over like her around her neck and then she was just eating. I don't know. It's your house. If you live by yourself, do what you do. But I don't another... wear pants around the house. Oh well, I'm fully in a tuxedo every <laughs> time I like I'm Lay Oreo from last from Hunter Hunter. I'm fully in a suit whenever I'm around the house. <laughs> no, I'm like, as soon as I get in the house, I'm stripping off clothes. Like, no, I put more clothes on. That's how I am. Uh, just like, I feel comfortable now. But we also find out that she gets scanned. Like in the morning, they kind of get, I don't know if they, volunt- it must be a voluntarily scanned, but it kind of gives you a sense of where you're at color scheme wise yeah. for, the, for the morning. And I think hers is like light blue or it's white or something like that. She's She's always at a very light mood. Yeah, and we'll find out this later in this episode when she's eating with her friends about how her mood is kind of always in check. Like, she's always in the same kind of color area. Yeah, so what I did, I was confused about is, like, what are they, are they wearing, like, plain clothes? So there's a point where she goes in front of the mirror and, like, it puts on different outfits. Like, it projects different outfits. But I was like, are they naked underneath? Or do they just have, like, really plain clothing on underneath? You know what? I think, well, I thought she was naked eating breakfast because i think she's in whatever she was eating breakfast in which you're saying is just like bottoms and no top i think that's how it is when she put the hologram on that's so weird so then like everybody's just walking around just technically naked oh i would not enjoy like i would still be fully clothed underneath what if your hologram thing malfunctions well so at at another point in like the episodes we talk about she she's wearing this like thing and she says that it's heavy and so i'm wondering if like it really does like project something real like if we're i don't know i think we might be overthinking it so in the future we get hologram clothes but we still have to feel the weight of the clothes yeah oh my gosh i don't know if it just like puts on clothes for you or if she was just simulating like what she could wear and then she got dressed off i say off camera but you know out of out of our sight and then just left i don't know it's it's not very clear um, but she does eventually she goes and meets her friends for for a meal and they kind of dive in more into the world a little bit. I feel like that's the point of this episode was to like catch you up on some of the technology. So we find out that they all have to take like exams like placement exams to figure out where they basically should work at like it, it goes off of their personality and inte- intelligence and it's supposed to choose where they would be the best at working which I thought I see the flaw in it, but for me, I think that would be kind of cool. I don't know, but what if you get stuck with a like job that you hate? Just because you're meant to be, like, you're more apt for this job doesn't mean you're going to like that job. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said I see the, the flaws in it. And, and they talk about it more later, too, is that pe- some people don't have, like, a ton of options, so they're stuck in this one place. So, clearly, it's it's not a perfect system, but, I like I said, for me, personally... I think I would like more guidance on what I'm supposed to do with my life or like what I'm good at. I mean, guidance would be nice, but this world is all or nothing. Yeah. So this this world, they're, they're definitely stuck to that. But it seems like you still get some choices, I guess, if you score better. So Akane is, is like a top scorer. So she pretty much had a choice of any job that she wanted. 
And then her friends are kind of like envious, you know, one, because her, her mood's always light and she had these options. And then she picked the one that I believe she, I think it's in this episode where she talks about she had all these options, but everyone scores well in all these options, but she scored well in one that not a lot of people do. And that's being a detective. So that's what she decided to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it was, was it this one? Yeah. They don't talk about the next, cause I remember the next episode they eat together and she's just like super tired in that episode. Yeah, so she eventually goes to work. She's kind of, the whole feeling you get today is that she's kind of in trouble. And her friends even make fun of her for it. Like, they're like, how is it your first day and you're in trouble? Um, So she ends up going back to, like, the facility, wherever, like, their thing is headquarters. at. Headquarters. Headquarters. And she's kind of feeling the guilt of of shooting um her enforcer this headquarters is very relaxed this place is so chill from what she walks into yeah so she's trying to find kogami and we walk in and we have um so we have two women and uh one of them is finishing their meal and by that (laughs) i mean they were she was eating eating her out um so is that what she was doing yeah (laughs) So, (laughs) so anyways um, one of them is just finishing their meal and she kind of looks up and Akane is so calm about it though. Like she's, well, you can tell she feels awkward, but they're like, oh, we're done anyways. And, um, she's asking, you can tell this is like going to be our technological person, like our smart hacker. Um, she's like a super sexy, huge boobs. You always have to have a character like that uh seductive person and so she's like oh like you're the one that shot kogami she reminds me of like a smarter yelovich from assassination classroom like this one she knows what she's doing she's very savvy i i think that's a good comparison because it's also a a big titty blonde so but she's also a quote-unquote criminal too yeah yeah so uh we see that like this is where we found out that kogami she shot him in the spine so that's why he was like knocked out so bad because i was like man stun seems pretty lethal on its own but she got him like directly in the back so the rest of the day without i feel like some of these scenes are kind of like unimportant but it seems like they're kind of like angry at her or like shutting her out um because there's a point where she says like she's i don't know this weird keyboard thing did you get what that was i didn't understand the technology like what it was i think it's just like a track touchpad thing for you to use i i basically a keyboard and hers is broken i yeah, guess hers it's not was, working correctly hers was broken and like so she was asking if there's any extras and it was like nobody wanted to answer her and then the younger guy enforcer guy um says something like oh well kogami has extras but like they're his so the girl that was uh having lunch earlier um offers her keyboard up that's like a little gesture of kindness and then later the younger guy comes up to her and is like hey i was just teasing you earlier which i'm like were you really i think it's that thing where it's like well because she's in a a detective or whatever her position is and they're enforcers who are kind of stuck here because of their i don't know their scans because they're they've been labeled criminals or possibly i guess i mean capable of doing crimes yeah, so that's why I feel like they, criminals. I think they have to stick together. It's like, and then you shot one of us, so now we have to kind of be upset at you. Kind of. Yeah. Thing. So he goes up. He's he's kind of like flirty with her, but then also not. You can tell he's just trying to get information. And uh, uh, Kane has trouble reading the room a lot <laughs> with this, but he basically asks why she picks this job because it seems like with what she did, it seems like maybe this might not be for her. And she basically says like, I had all these options. But I saw that there was tons of people like 
that were already top of like that had the same scores as me as me in those fields this is the only job that didn't have someone with my scores in it and so I thought that there must be something I can do here and the younger enforcer he gets mad he's like well look like he's basically like look at you with all your options yeah I think because he's stuck he got scanned or he got placed genetic wise in this spot and he can't leave it and she's like I had a hundred options and you know I just chose one that I I wanted. What's important is he was scanned when he was five. Like they they figured out he was a latent criminal at five years old. So he's never had any options in life. He just went straight to like the mental facility or whatever that they send them to. And then he was offered to become an enforcer and he chose that so that he can have more freedom. Yeah, I think he was like, it's this or you're kind of locked away from everyone and everything. Of course, someone saying that they had every option in the world is going to upset you. Yeah, I found her like she kind of gave me like the the cocky smart kid vibes. Like, I don't think that she's meaning to. But just her explanation like, oh, like I wanted to be one of the top people in the field. I, I that kind of rubbed me the wrong way too but i don't think i would react as emotionally as he did his was like over the top i do wonder if it's something a cocky thing or is it one i mean kind of cocky or unaware of it or is it something like this is her how she is and that helps her keep her her psychopath in check or keeps in the certain area because she does miss certain things or she's kind of a certain way and you kind of see i don't know i don't see her getting upset too often well it's only been two episodes but she moves on. She goes, finally visits Kogami. She finally gets the courage to do it. He's awake, and surprisingly, he's not mad at her. I mean, he def- he told her, like, if you don't like what I'm doing, you gotta take me out. And she did. You can't be angry at someone for doing what you told them to do. Yeah, that was my thoughts, too. Um, But he does explain it, that he got so used to... They're always gonna call themselves dogs throughout this. So um, he got so used to being, like, a hunting dog that he forgot to think about like the situation rather than just listening to the gun like he's just been listening to that gun this whole time so he's actually kind of glad that she had that that perspective to like think about the victim and he's like thank you like for for reminding me about that and he ends up saying um it's about protecting people not hurting them justice is before duty and i'm like mm, i feel like a lot of cops need a need to listen to this <laughs> i feel like at this point i'm well it's because i know more because i've watched six episodes already but right now you're kind of feeling like there's more to kogami than meets the eye like more than him being an enforcer yeah i mean he i don't know i don't mind saying it now i you're gonna find out he was a detective and i feel like that that's kind of obvious is <laughs> like um I don't know. I feel like this show is not, it's not a whodunit show and it's not for you to like puzzle together. It's pretty obvious about a lot of things. So Kogami, he, he obviously has this, this justice alignment in him. I think this brings us into episode three, Rearing Conventions. Unit one is called to a factory, which manufactures drones to investigate repeated cases of employees being torn apart by the drones. In this offline building, our investigators must solve this case without using the civil system. This is where I'm definitely like, this is minority report in this episode. Just, uh, and I'm kind of liking this kind of how we're going right now that each episode feels like its own case and i'm enjoying that because it's not kind of we have a thread going through these three episodes but i like jumping from a case to case it keeps the the thing fresh yeah i kind of wish they like they did that more you know i think they should have done that for like a good season of it but they do kind of jump into like these things fast but um anyway so in this this factory all the workers like live in and work there 
And it's like this, like they're driving up and Gina's as explaining to Akane basically what they're getting into. And there's no Wi-Fi. There's no, like, there's no technology except for what they're working with. And these people just, just live their lives where they work. Yeah, because they build the drones there. And one of the drones has basically ripped a man apart. Because they get there and they see, well, the crime scene has already been cleaned up by the time they get there. Because one of the drones cleaned it up. Which I feel like that's a red flag, isn't it? I think in today's world, but seeing as they were able to like do a projection image of the crime scene later, I don't think it matters. Don't you have to like get fluids and stuff and run DNA tests? Something clean the area. I don't see them do that this whole time. Like they don't start checking for DNA and all that. I think that's something background that's happening. Um, Cause in one of the later episodes, you see like kind of more people in the room that they're in. And we're just looking at what the detectives are doing. A lot of their detective work is like hunches and gut feelings. And we go on that. You're going to notice that. I feel like I've been noticing that a lot these few episodes. But, you know, their guts aren't wrong. I think it's the contrast. It's because in this world, um, people that grew up with this system, they only know to, like, to think that certain way. And so the point of the enforcers, and you you see it a little more in this, Ginaza ends up arguing with with the enforcers with uh, Masaoka. Because uh, he keeps saying, like, oh, I have a hunch, like, you know, this and that, my gut feeling. And Ginaza gets mad, and he's like, I'm sick of your gut feeling. And he talks about, like, the Sybil system. Like, this is how the system works. Not just you having these gut feelings and, and no evidence for it. Yeah, and wait, is that the factory guy that you're talking about, or the older guy? No, it was uh, Ginaza, the one with the glasses, and then the older oh, yeah. enforcer. But they go up to the, the, I don't know, what are they called? Foreman of the factory, the head guy of the factory factory and basically they they need to like scan all these people because whoever because they don't think it's an accident they think he's been murdered clearly but to scan all these people because there's no any internet or this place is on its own they have to like bring all the people out and the factory guy's like you can't do that because of productivity and we got quotas we need to make so if you don't have any proof then i'm not going to do this but if you have proof we'll go ahead and i'm like that's the murderer factory guy is the murderer clearly he doesn't want to help the police so you know, he's covering something up. But they do explain, um, and this is an episode where they kind of explain the system a little more. So what they gave them was like pretty much the last time they scanned all their employees. And I forgot like how often they do scans for the employees. Um, But they say like, hey, like, Part of the reason that they can't just go scan them all right away is because uh, the scanners are in like they get assessed in a certain order, like first come, first serve. And the wait is like a really long time. So I think that's how some of these people get scanned and then they're looking for them later. It's because it takes a long time for the Sybil system to come back and say like, yeah, this is the crime coefficient. Well, that's only when they can't scan them with the gun because it's an instant thing. But they can't use the Dominators in here because it's offline. That's why he wants to bring all the factory workers outside. Yes. And at this point, we kind of cut away and... Uh, was it her name? Akane. Uh, Akane. Akane and the younger enforcer are having lunch in kind of like the cafeteria of this factory. And anime food looks so delicious. No matter where it is, anime food looks so good. Yeah, she even says, like, the food is really good, but, like, these living conditions are are bad. Like, how can they survive in this kind of thing? And that's how they they talk about, like, well, their coefficients are fine, though. So, obviously, something's working. Oh, does she say that? I thought the younger guy said that. Because he was like, I don't, I wouldn't want to be offline. I mean, I think he chimes in after she says it. Like, he's like, yeah, you're right. 
Like, I wouldn't want to be, like, this day and age, being cut off from the world has to be hard. And at this moment, they see, which I'm confused at, these are all grown adults, but these adults push this other guy to the ground, making him drop his food, and they're just kind of, like, bullying him, extreme bullying him in front of everyone. I do think that anime's kind of, like, over, like, they over-animate what bullying looks like, but... I think that it's not weird for adults to, like, end up picking someone and, and bullying them. Like, I think if you've been in the military, like, you you see see it a lot where they pick out, like, the weaker person and that person's just isolated. Is it, like, this where they're <laughs> full on, like, it's almost like they were, like, just full on beating him up in front of everybody. And they're, uh, the head guy is like, oh, it's okay, it's good for morale. Um, but I think it's a little reflective of what happens in, in real life as well. The way that the head guy justifies this is that's how we keep all our color, are they coefficients or whatnot? How we keep everything in check. Because this is the way that people kind of release their anger in a healthy way as picking on someone. And yeah. they call this guy that they're bullying or not the factory guy, but the people who were like pushing him down. And they keep kicking him down. Every time he tries to get up, they kick him down, throw his food. They call him, I believe, yellow green or green yellow, which are his colors mm-hmm. area. And at this point, everyone or our group realizes that everyone can see all the color readouts. They post everyone's color readouts just for anyone to see, which is dangerous, apparently. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like Assassination Classroom, where they used like the E-class for like everybody else to hate on and like motivate themselves to do better. I think that it's like I feel like this is like a reoccurring theme in animes where like a messed up system is like making sure that somebody's suppressed and then the other people are thriving off of that. And so they they say it like, well, what about this guy's coefficient? And he's like, well, if you know, he's he scans well, I think it's every month. I'm going to say every month. And if it's his coefficient goes uh too dark or or whatever they say hues a lot so they'll talk about hue and i think that's what makes this whole color coding thing confusing because you'll hear like somebody's light blue somebody's yellow green those are still good things no one's broken it down though no one's like we need a chart like i need them to just flash a chart up be like here's the rainbow this is where you want to be this is the bad area so it's not colors that matters it's the i think they don't really like like you said they don't really explain it that well but it's not the color that matters it's the hue of it so if you're a light green then you're still like really good like the closer you are to white is better the closer you are to the to to the color black is is showing that you're darker and it's kind of representative of like the mind is lighter or the mind is dark i don't like the way they handled it like not the not what china but they handle this guy because they're like well we scan him and when he gets too dark we just move him to another area where they bully him and then when it gets too dark we just move him to another area where they like yeah you're not solving the this is this is a problem no one cares about these things it's frustrating so that's that's where i'm like yeah this is obviously the killer it's obviously the dude getting bullied like it just it just is um and i I still thought it was the factory guy i thought it was him i thought this was like a red herring that i thought he might be killing people who were getting too dark that way he can kind of like keep his like thing going on but ginoza knows better not ginoza is it not ginoza oh no no there's too many names everyone is i need i'm gonna make a graphic for myself next episode (laughs) 
If it helps you, I have them at the bottom. It doesn't. I need the pictures. Oh, I see how you wrote them now, though. Uh, um, anyways, so yeah, Kogami and um, the older guy, Masaoka, uh, they both know. And I think it's because they still were like in the old, old way kind of thing. Yeah, so Kogami and Masaoka, they, they're they kind of more old school. And, and we'll find out why. Because this whole time I'm like, why is Ginaza so angry that they're like doing their job? And you find out why later, why he's bothered that they're not kind of going by the Sybil system. He also tells her like, because she, she goes out and she wants to follow the enforcers. Or she's like, they, they're hunches, we gotta go with that. And he says straight up to her face like, you have chosen the fool's the way of the fool. Because he brings up this, like, there's two paths to go. And if you fall in the forcers, then it just leads down to, to destruction for you, basically. Yeah, I, well, I think he broke it down like it was like the fool has to learn by by their like the things that happen to them. Like the fool learns through life lessons and then the wise person learns from history. And so that's why he kind of tells her like, okay, you, you want to learn the hard way is basically what he's saying. I mean, I think it has more meaning, but we'll find that out later. But I also feel like she is this, I already get the dynamic that she's this rookie cop that's going to try to change the system. Yeah, so I, I do agree with that. So she ends up... <laughs> I my whole thing is like during this conversation is this when they plan the next thing coming up because they all seem like so in sync um Kogami ends up he goes and finds the bully guy and this makes me feel bad even though he's like the killer I, I feel know. so bad because he was just nice to him so before we got through all this like um Kogami went over and helped him pick up his tray and like so you see this like moment of kindness and where the guy really appreciates that and then so now he flips the switch because he's like, you're the killer. And he, I think he hits him, like, but he's basically bullying him and calling, like, like yeah, you're the you killer. Yeah, you didn't say where he shit. was. This guy is sitting, he's eating lunch, sitting on the toilet. How is this a great work environment? This factory guy, I don't understand it, but our bully E, the guy getting bullied, is, he's got it, I guess he got another lunch. And he's sitting on the toilet eating his lunch. But the yeah. plan, the plan is, because there's no internet in this factory, they're going to wire it up themselves. But they can only get in a certain area to be able to scan them. Yeah, so Kogami is, essentially just pisses him off to, like, push him over the edge. So, and he's, they they break it down and explain it while, like, action is happening in the background. Um, But he doesn't have time to, like, hide that he's the one controlling the things so that's how they're gonna catch him they're gonna catch him in the act and of course he does he goes he puts in a disc in into like one of the robots and is like controlling it to to attack them and then they lead him out into like i'm gonna say like hangar bay area it's it's basically outdoors and um that's where they're finally able to scan him his coefficient's high so then they're able to shoot him but they don't kill him they paral he paralyzes him yeah because he's not high enough in the moment well i think it goes his coefficient goes down after he commits the act or something so that was the whole point was that he once he killed somebody um his coefficient went back down and basically as like a as a stress relief i do like when akane asks asks him oh what kogame i like when she asks him like how are you able to do this how are you able to kind of because basically he's risking their lives because that guy gets in a giant drone and is going to rip him apart and he says that getting justice for the dead you have to be able to risk your life and i feel like that's a great mindset or something that is going to hold true to this character we're throughout these episodes we're learning little pieces of how kogame 
is like who he is as a person yeah i agree um and you can tell he's very aligned with like it's not the law but it's like the morality of things but before we move on i do want to point out like two scenes one's important one's not the first one is that water bottle scene at the beginning ladies uh that was just for you (laughs) his his kogami like pouring water down his like muscly body and i'm finally glad to get some lady fan service in here Oh, um, I missed that. <laughs> you probably... I uh, maybe I'll go back. <laughs> Watch the slow motion water falling down his body. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and see that. <laughs> the, the second one is um, when we had talked about Ginaza, like getting mad at uh, Masaoka. When they went out in the hallway and talked, again, this is Akane not able to read the room. She basically said, like, do you have a, you know, do you have history with Masaoka? And like, he has like this look like that was like the question that you don't ask. And when she went back outside to talk to the other enforcers, she asked the same thing. And they were like, oh, my God, you didn't you didn't ask him that, did you? And it's basically we don't talk about Bruno, but it's we don't talk about Masaoka <laughs> to Ginaza. I do think it's fair, though, that she asked him. It's not like, you know, you want to know straight from the source. People should have been like, this is why you shouldn't ask him straight up. Instead, they were just like, here's some breadcrumbs, but don't follow it. And she followed in. She made everyone upset or she made him upset. Yeah. Like I said, I think to me, I don't think I would have asked him straight up. I would have asked around first. But everyone seems so tight lipped. I think that leads us into episode four. Nobody knows your mask. Akane seeks out some advice from an internet celebrity, but instead of meeting people in real life, most things are done in the VR world. People's avatars are being taken over, and it's up to our group to solve the mystery. This is probably one of my favorite episodes this of the six we just watched yeah i really i i did like that one the next one coming up is going to be one of my least favorites but um so in this we open up with akane and she well it's you can tell it's her but it's her avatar with weird little hands did you notice the hands i don't know why they make it like that i I thought she was like she was like how can i be my jellyfish alarm clock (laughs) as an avatar you know what i think you're right i don't think i've ever put that together and does look like the little jellyfish like endings at the you're right because her avatar does not make sense because we'll find out later in this episode and it's wonky guys but anyways so she's she's asking this character this um i don't know how to describe him but his name is the tal he's the talisman and it's like he's sitting in front like of a crystal ball like kind of thing but he's not going to predict the future she's asking him advice and it's she's like my friend and when the whole time the scene is happening i think of like disenchantment um when like tia beanie's like talking to the crowd and then somebody in the crowd's like she's talking about herself and that was this she's talking about herself and her situation with kogami and basically just how to deal with kogami she doesn't understand him to me i think she likes him but he basically tells her like i don't remember what the advice really ended up being just that like to to understand him you got to see him through his eyes basically it was like you got to walk in his shoes to understand like why he's treating you this way or you need a different perspective it's basically like here's advice but not really yeah and so one thing about this anime they're very deliberate so we're meeting talisman for a reason they don't just do like a lot of random things in here it's gonna all tie back in together so later she's she goes to work and they're bringing up this case i think they're like at the apartment right they're not at the apartment yet they're in the office because they got this like warning message because this toilet's been broken in this apartment for two weeks and the person hasn't put in a work notice so they're like this guy is dead whoever lives in this apartment 
department. Yeah. And I guess an important thing about the office, I guess I was skipping it because I didn't think it was important. But toilets are always important. No, it's not the toilet thing. Um, It's okay. <laughs> where he's, uh, the older guy, like I said, they're going to stick to stereotypes. So this is going to be like a smoking, gruff, older detective who has an alcohol problem. <laughs> Just As we do a cocktail drinking as podcast. We, as, as we talk about our cocktails. Okay. But he pulls out like a ton of bottles. I will say though, I am also a sucker for the tiny, tiny cute bottles of alcohol. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of them. I don't drink them. I just like looking at them. They make me feel like a giant. But yeah, he tries to describe to to her using these bottles of alcohol he just pulled out of his coat. Yeah, because I was like, where did you, where did you get these from? But um, anyways, wait, hold on. Was that in this episode? I don't know, but we talked about it. He's got a drinking problem. You find that? Oh wait, no, because he brings because. At the end of this episode, he has more alcohol on, yeah. his, on his body. So it, it, I think it's this episode. No, it was it's episode five because uh, I was going to talk about the um, the where he blows the fire. And that's where she's like, oh, alcohol. Like, that's what it's for. But it's not until the next one. Oh, this is a two parter. I forgot mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess slight it. spoilers, guys, for episode five. Um. Anyways. They go so, to the room. When they're in the apartment, you see more detective work from Kogami and the, the older guy. So and I think that it's good detective work, even like by today's standards, because they're able to see like on the side of the room that it's sticky. And um, they pretty much work out all together. I think even before they did the vr thing he already knew like this person's dead like um, like somebody taped something down and they're dead because they moved the carpet because they do put the hologram because he already has the hunches they're all mm-hmm. using their detective gut work and then they put the skin on and the skin only goes on top of like furniture so if you move your furniture but you didn't readjust your skin it will all be like slightly off yeah and he's kind of like breaking it down for akane but you can tell that like they already they already kind of knew and they're just using this to verify their hunch so when they 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 move it you see like that there's this like deep scratch in the floor and then of course there's like the sticky state tape spots and then this is where kogami kind of like makes his like sherlock statement you know and he's like look uh the person got chopped up and flushed down the toilet and you know they they killed him not in a bloody kind of way but he must have had some kind of struggle and uh they had a tarp or they had something laid down and that's where they taped it so he he already has it like all mapped out in his head and then this is where we find out that he this person who lived in this apartment is talisman and um kagami finds that out and that's the young redhead kid guy enforcer of the group and he hacks he gets into the computer and finds out it was talisman and she's like but i just talked to him this morning and they kind of predict that talisman's been dead for probably a couple of days or maybe a week or so so whoever she talked to wasn't the real talisman yeah so then they have this moment where they're like okay like how are we gonna get more intel and um i don't know ginaza he has this look on his face and then this is where we kind of like cut to um back to akane and i think it's because she's just like a more like obviously she's already been in contact with this person so it's not weird for her to be back into that it's like a chat room but virtual like like you can see everybody's avatars and everything so she goes into spooky boogie who I want to keep calling Oogie Boogie. But are we going to talk about Kino-san's avatar? What is up with this? his avatar? It's a giant quarter. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, he's just like a serious person. <laughs> or I wonder if it's like a default one. I was just like, you do not. That sticks out, if anything. Yeah. So they were, they're going to go see Spooky Boogie. And they're in Spooky Boogie's kind of like waiting area. 
Maria. It's a cat looking character that's like hanging by its neck. And so she comes out, everybody's cheering and she's talking um, to Ginaza. So that's where we see the, the quarter. And then all of a sudden she just like disappears for him. Like they're in the middle of talking to each other. And then he's like looking around as a quarter <laughs> and is like, where are you? And she's just equally confused. And it turns out Oogie Boogie or not Oogie Boogie, <laughs> Spooky Boogie um, spotted them and went ahead and, and separated Akane. And so now they're in this like little room, like as if they were like sitting at like a tea party kind of thing. Yeah. So she brings in like a private chat almost. Yeah. If we wanted to like relate. In today's I, way. Yeah. Today's way. It's she put her in a, a private chat and she immediately knew she's like, oh, what is the and she uses a specific word. So she doesn't say police. And that's important later. <laughs> um, she's like, oh, so what are you, you know, you guys are here. What's this about kind of thing? And Akane um, tells her like, hey, like we're trying to find out about Talisman. When's the last time that you talked to him? Like, did he seem strange like within like this time period and this and that? And um, Spooky Boogie, who's like a notorious uh what is anarchist it yeah a notorious anarchist doesn't usually work with the cops but she's interested in this some reason well she says that that's her persona to the people but not necessarily kind of her beliefs i feel like that's important because i think in these two episodes like who this person is appears to everyone and their personal beliefs really come into play and we already find we find out that spooky now you're gonna make me say it too but spooky <laughs> boogie knows her already and that's why she kind of like akane drops the like oh i'm just a fan or whatnot because spooky boogie is like we went to school together yeah she was like if you want to know who i am like go look in the yearbook kind of thing and then she she makes a deal because she's like yeah like i'll set something up for you guys um because i would like the police they she doesn't say police and that's important (laughs) um she says i'll i'll work with you guys because i would like for you to owe me a favor and I'll just say that, you know, it's a favorite of my classmate. Yeah. And she, which I'm like, that's pretty smart too. You want something in your pocket, right? Eventually, you know, you who knows when Spooky Boogie might need a favor. And she kind of sets up this, at first I thought it was a virtual meeting. But it's an in real life uh, costume party that she's setting up. Yeah, and so they're they have Akane and her thing, and I think the other people are just kind of like hiding in the back. I don't remember if they were like disguised. No, only she goes in. Yeah, and um, so they're just trying to like see if Talisman will show up, and then the whole thing is that they got to scan him with the gun first. So if Talisman shows up, then they can get him with the the gun, and then his crime coefficient will like say that he's guilty but at this costume party because we talked about the hollow holograms like clothes so at this costume party everyone wears their avatar as their clothes basically um i don't remember how but the the killer basically is like yeah like the the cops are here kind of thing and he seems to be like talking to someone you can tell he's he's working with somebody well the way they know is because she brings a gun into the building because she grabs before she enters she grabs one of the dominators Mm -hmm. am i saying that right yeah she grabs one and it syncs up with her so basically yeah. kind of i guess whoever's overseeing this or is talisman's kind of watch person track like the sensor goes off that a dominator has entered the building yeah so they they call him and they're you know so basically they're like okay so how do we get out of this because they're closing in on him and the, what they do is they hacked everybody's skin like their avatar thing to look like talisman and for, at first everybody's kind of freaked out but then it's a party so they kind of like roll with it um but that's where the det- the enforcers so kogami is like oh man like he's gonna make a getaway 
And so they just go out there and they're like, we're just going to we're just going to scan everybody with the, the guns and then that'll be the person. The problem is, is that everybody at that party's coefficient is off. So like it's too many of them to sit there and like shoot and stun. I also think them rushing in there screaming. Basically these guys the enforcers are going in there with the guns blazing, like scanning people. That's gonna raise people coefficient up. Like this yeah. system is flawed still. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they just go to jail. Um, because so yeah, later somebody calls out and they're like, Are you gonna pay for my boyfriend's uh emergency therapy? And so that's what it is. It's like, I guess as soon as your coefficient goes up, like you have to go to therapy. Okay. See, now this is where I'm like, I don't, I'm not in for this anymore. If the therapy was government paid and free, then yeah. But now that you're like, you do something like you scan me and now are you making me pay for therapy? Oh yeah. The government's got to make money off of you somehow. So this is a vicious cycle. I guess it's like, you know, go to therapy or risk going to jail. But also in this world, it's supposed to be like, there's not crime going on. There's, uh, we'll find out a little bit later. There's not a lot of like drinking going on or, or any of that stuff. Like drugs are like way deep underground. So it's supposed to be like a society where you're like really well taken care of. So I think that your crime coefficient going down means like you're doing something wrong or not down, but whatever it is, whatever direction it needs, <laughs> the bad thing is. Yeah, they um, don't explain it. <laughs> that, um, man, you, you threw me off. Anyways, in this world, I think it's like it's supposed to be a perfect world. So if something's wrong, then that's, I guess, to the government, then that's an indication that something is really wrong. Regardless, they don't catch Talisman. He gets, he escapes. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> the the older one, uh, the older enforcer, he ended up, he accidentally choked out Akane because she had the the avatar skin on so he just like grabbed whoever and it was choking her out and she has to like tap out and i think she like passes out does she pass out i remember him being like oh sorry didn't know it was you yeah i think she goes out because i think that's like the cut scene and i believe it cuts away to inside the vr world and spooky boogies kind of avatar land where talisman is now rioted the people against her yeah and she's she's trying to claim like oh i don't want you know i didn't know that this was gonna happen blah 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 she's pretending she didn't know anything um about the raid and that's where like people are shouting like hey like this is your fault you know are you gonna pay for my boyfriend's emergency therapy blah 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 and then we kind of cut away because spooky boogie takes off her headset and we now we're in the real world in her room and she's kind of she's upset about what's going on and does she she says something like well he doesn't know who i am or something like something along the lines of that and we get a voice in real life come from behind her yeah and i think it it cuts away from that and then is this where spooky boogie's like i'm pretty sure it was this episode um so now she's talking to akane and so it's kind of implied like we kind of at this point you know that the real spooky is dead. no that's next episode well spooky yeah that's Bo- where they they prove it right no because spooky really- boogie dies in this episode in episode four because he chokes her and like and then that's her. just how it ends it ends with her on the ground and the guy's like has all these kind of scalpels and things. So something's going to happen to Spooky Boogie's dead. This person's choked her out and killed her. And they're like, now what do we, they're like, she may be dead, but her avatar can live on. And this is the part I did not like, and I did not understand. But for some reason we see our killer's face. And then this guy sets down a blender full of tomatoes and then turns on the blender of tomatoes. 
And it looks like our killer's got blood on his face, but it's the tomatoes being blended in this blender. And that's where we cut away. Okay. So that brings us into episode five, Nobody Knows Your Face. This episode is where they start closing in on the killer. And that's as much as I can tell y'all right now, <laughs> now without spoiling. We kind of start off with Spooky Boogie yelling at Akane about the police thing or what happened at the costume party. Yeah. And she says um, that she didn't like, she doesn't, she doesn't want to deal in anymore and that she doesn't like want to be I don't remember basically what it was but just there's no more deal with the police she doesn't want to be involved with them it's a total 180 of what how spooky boogie was in the last episode because now she's just like you can't be trusted police are like this kind of way I don't trust the police get away and she kicks Akane out of the private chat yeah and immediately like I said uh, these people always have gut gut feelings so they're like something something's wrong like he's gonna strike again you know kind of thing so they're trying to take all like we go back to the sexy lady I can't remember her name but the the computer lady and they're just trying to get as much as data as they can and they're starting to line up like okay like what was the activity like after you know the first guy died what's the activity like now what who's his who's his next target kogame's like did you record the spooky boogie conversation and he's just kind of sitting there going frame by frame through it mm -hmm. and then he comes to the conclusion that based on yesterday the day before spooky boogie to this one that spooky boogie has been taken over that mm -hmm. this no longer is the real one yeah so they were kind of like they were having this whole like discussion and you can tell he's like super focused so you knew he was like hunting a lead and he kind of like rewinds back the audio and it's the part where she says the first time that they talk she calls them the psb but this time when they talk she referred to them as the police and he's like that's it it that's no longer um spooky boogie the person you you were talking to that second time was the killer and using this information that they have about who the original spooky boogie was that it was akane's former class person they're able to kind of pinpoint where she lives yeah and so when they when they get there it's like the same thing pretty much as the first guy um same kind of mo except for instead of stuffing her down the toilet he stuffed her in the bathtub and did you see that little that little bug come up i thought it was just like a bug but i guess it was like a robot and they were it looks like a little pill bug and it went into the to the drains and they were like yeah we already found pieces of her body in the sewage system yeah this place has little tiny robots which was i think is pretty cool because i could use some tiny robots to clean my room but these are tiny flesh finding robots so maybe not as cool to have around the house <laughs> yeah no it was it was kind of gross i don't know why like that little just the little bug i think because it was pulling up like a chunk of something and so that scene kind of grossed me out but um through this they you know they do a little like finagling and and stuff and they find out uh they're, they're trying to figure out where oogie boogie because now uh not spooky boogie spooky boogie <laughs> They figure out that like Sp Spooky Boogie is still online, but they're supposed to be dead. So they're like, okay, where are they doing this from? Where are the servers at for this? But as they're kind of tracking this down, Akane is having this kind of moment to herself that she feels like this is her fault because she kind of dragged in Spooky Boogie into, she feels like she dragged Spooky Boogie into this leading to her death in real life. And uh, the older enforcer, um, I can't remember his name. Was it Masa? Masa Oka. Oka? Mm -hmm. Masaoka's like, or is it Masaoka or is it 
Oh, so, I mean, Masaoka just kind of gave, like, a general thing. Like, he was like, look, you can't carry this stuff. But Kogami comes in, and he just, like, lists off. Like, he's like, did you coerce her? Did you did you force her to do this? Did you bribe her? Or, like, basically, did she, she did it on her own. Like, she joined them on their own. And he says the same thing as Masaoka, just, like, better. Is, like, you can't put this this kind of stuff on you. Because then it's it's always going to be your fault. And then that's going to make your, your coefficient go bad. And I also like, because he said this before, but I feel like this is his kind of thing is that we do what we do is we're trying to get justice for the people who can't get justice anymore. And that's when they're like, well, we now we got to find this killer. So we have two different scenes that are kind of run, running simultaneously. So we have half the group, and that's going to be Akane, um, Masaoka, and Kogami. They're in the apartment. And then we have... Um, Ginaza, the the only woman enforcer, which you would think I would learn her name, but I haven't. <laughs> and um, then the younger guy, Huji's, who, what's his name? His name is Kagame. So not confusing at all. But so they go in and they basically they found like the server room. And as soon as they open it, it explodes. And I kind of liked like when they kind of flash when they go back to them. It's only Ginaza that's like wrapping up his hand. And he's like, how did you guys get away without a scratch? And they're like, you should be faster. I love that Kagame is like, what do you want next time for us to like dive in or get blown up by the bomb? Yeah, because Guinness is like clearly annoyed that he's the only one, but I feel like it was more of a pride thing. So eventually, you know, they're able to figure out the killer. And so the killer is off in this apartment or not an apartment, a hotel room. And he makes a phone call and he's talking to someone. I don't know his name yet. And he mentions like, you shouldn't like make sure you don't disappoint makashima so right here is kind of like where we get introduced to to makashima we don't know who he is we just know he's pulling the strings on this and i now it's like conspiracy theory kind of what my brain is going that way i'm like who is this guy and he's like pulling these strings and i i think it's some kind of avatar stealing ring is going on but we're gonna find out soon that it's kind of limited to one person yeah so they eventually track down they're like okay i don't remember how they do it but they this figure is pretty out like clever the- though i think what? it's pretty clever mm-hmm. that they figure out that whoever because they they kind of are watching the streamers or these avatar people still doing their shows because they've been taken over by this guy and basically the avatar people are more themselves than they used to be if that makes sense because remember how spooky boogie was like i may be an anarchist on screen but that doesn't necessarily mean i'm an anarchist in real life yeah but now the avatars seem like they've fully taken on these personas and what they do is they're trying to track down a super fan basic of, of these two people so through that they're able to track like who who was there all the time like who was the super fan and then who suddenly like they just left after what they think is like the day that the person died and then they find they narrow it down to like one username and then that's how they're able to track like okay this is his house and there's this hotel that's not too far from there they end up kind of busting into his his or where i guess the hotel room he's staying at which i thought this robot was pretty cool because instead of having to bust down a door this robot kind of just neatly takes it off its hinges 
and moves yeah. the door to the side. So they end up injuring him. Um, he gets away. He makes it back to his house. And like, so he's hurt, you know? And I thought he was going crazy at first because then all three of the avatars that he stole were like floating around him and basically telling him like, you're nobody. Like the only reason well, that- Before that, he turns on the avatars and he's having like this like, you're my only friend. You would never betray me. And you know, you're more real than these people think that you are. Like, even the people behind who made you, you're more real to me than they that you are to them. This guy's already left the crazy island and he's sailing on his own crazy boat. Yeah. So then now that the avatars have turned on him and everything, it you know, he figure he goes, he says the guy's name. He's like Makashima. Like he realizes, and this is where I realize too, it's not just his own hallucination, but Makashima was actually hacking the three avatars and like saying all this stuff to him. And I didn't realize why. Like, cause I was like, man, that's just cruel. Like, is he just torturing him before he dies? Um, but when when they come in, they bust in and they put the the gun on him, his crime coefficient went up to from where he would have just been tasered to to lethal. No, it was already at lethal because they blew his arm off. Oh well then never mind. I mean he went from crazy to crazier though. I mean, he's he's insane. And what's his name? Makahima? Makahima is basically like, they're going to kill you. Like, yeah. there's nothing you can do now. They're going to kill you. And to make it worse, he's like, as the Avatar people, he's like, we don't care about you either, basically. Yeah, which I think it was just like the last bit of cruelty to to put on him. Or basically say, like, you're, you're a failure, you know? Uh, which I think is what the, the warning was before. And I don't... So they bust in and he's having this weird mental breakdown and they shoot him with the explodey gun or the, the dominator. They shoot him in this exploding mode and he explodes. I don't get this though. Like, do we just not question people anymore? Are things not possibly bigger plans than they, than they seem to be? No, that's the point of the, like, is that they rely so much on the, the coefficients in the Sybil system. I just feel like, well, cause we know that there's another person above him, but like, they don't even have, I don't know. I'm just like, there's no questioning involved in this world. It's just point and shoot. No, but I think that that's kind of the the point of the show is that they stopped questioning things like they stopped because they're so reliant on all this technology um that that's the f- it's kind of like a it's you know black mirror it's kind of like the warning of being like that reliant that all happens and then we kind of learn a new secret at the very end of this episode well we find out that kogame kogame was ginozan's old partner and they were detectives together yep so this is where you kind of realize like oh like they can still like you know it's not that kogami was always bad or that these enforcers are always bad but they all have their separate paths i also like that Inozan gave uh akane this information willingly it's like he's opening up to her yeah i think that he's he's just seeing her she's following a pattern she's going with kogame a lot and and drifting away from his advice so he's just saying like hey like don't follow him him because he's already gone down but i think that leads us into episode six which is called return of the psychotic prince akane is trying to still figure out her relationship with kogame while kogame is using his detective skills and may have possibly found a connection between the previous two cases this episode messed me up so we open up with like another dream sequence you know flashback and it's kogame um is like chasing somebody down or like looking for someone and then you kind of see like i couldn't tell what it was you can tell that there's some kind of like really messed up body and then he wakes up so we kind of see a pass a pass with him and i think the name he was screaming the whole time was uh sasayama 
So at this point, we don't know who Sasayama is, but we'll find out real quick. And then after that, we kind of go, we cut away to Ginozan as he's talking with, I guess, his boss, uh, I don't know, commissioner person. And they're just talking about like, how is Akane doing? Yeah. So he, he does pretty much his briefing and everything. And then he, he does mention like, you know, she see basically that she can't read the room, but that she's going to be an overall good criminal or not criminal. She's going to be an overall good detective. <laughs> she might be a criminal. <laughs> it could be. Um, But that's where this director kind of brings up Ginoza's uh, coefficient. And she basically says like, I don't know if it's hereditary or you know there's no there's no link to say that coefficients are hereditary but then there's also nothing proving that it's not and she basically warns him to not be like his father so we find out that uh Ginozo's father had become a latent cr- criminal and basically she's just like i trust you but i don't trust you because of your family's past yeah and, and then, uh, oh, oh no. god I was going to say we go to the schoolgirls thing. I don't know if that's pretty Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Oh, right, you go for it. Um, So then we cut to to these girls in like a class and everything. And this is kind of weird. It's like, I didn't know. Well, clearly, I guess later. But these girls are super like crushing on like this popular girl. Like the way they react is kind of weird to me. Because they all get all blushy and like flirty around her. And I'm just wondering like, is it is it because it's an all girl skill? school that they have like nobody to crush on i think it's just that thing where like this person's so popular you're just like i want to be around them but so basically it's it's a schoolgirl, and you know they're in class and she's getting like these messages on her tablet and it's the popular girl is talking about shakespeare and how she likes his work and that it's especially cruel and it's all kind of it's kind of weird to me it's kind of flirty kind of like oof something's gonna happen but during this time it's kind of another one of those things that this is happening over here this is happening over here we have akane and kagame the younger enforcer hanging out and it turns out he's actually like a really amazing cook yeah and they kind of reveal because she eats it and she's like oh this is so good and he's like because this is like real cooking so i think it's it's kind of revealed through these scenes that like drinking and actually cooking your food isn't too normal here she's she's basically akane's i think whole reason to be there is to find out more about kogami and uh so she's asking him questions and he kind of lures her in with like you know you know what like loosens me up is is a drink so if you if you drink with me then i might give you some more answers which turns out he has basically like no answers for her yeah i but i love this thing because he's like i don't want to drink alone so how can i get someone to drink with me yeah so he explains because she's asking like how kogami basically went from being an investigator to a latent criminal and he says that he didn't come in until after that happened so he doesn't he doesn't have info which i was like like you kind of reeled her in with the drinking to have nothing but with this kind of breadcrumb she goes over she kind of like is like okay i got their partners so now what do i do with this and you know who's better to go with for information she goes to the analyst lady and then the only other female enforcer in this show and they give her the real tea i did notice like when she came in i think she's just very uncomfortable with those two just because i guess maybe how openly sexual they are um but oh and before i think we kind of missed a little bit when um ginaza was talking to her he basically transferred a file to her and was like hey like you can like like read this and then delete it afterwards and i think it was about kogami and she just didn't want to 
access it because I think later she says he's he'll be able to see if she accesses it can it accesses it so she rather ask everybody else about it which is strange because like he gave her the file yeah I mean but he gave her a file that's not about him it's about Kogami and so we find out that he basically went down you know his his mental state went down after uh this Sasayama guy died and it was during the specimen case which is going to be important later and the specimen case is this guy was making basically statues out of dead bodies some he would have some kind of resin material and that would go inside like people's genetic i don't know it's really hard to explain basically he freezes people into these statue poses that he makes and he was displaying these statues around town freaking everyone out yeah well so how it worked is it's like the resin like activated with the fat and then it turns that into to statues oh i'm worried then so for myself. <laughs> yeah. um so when she eventually she eventually goes to kogami and and asks him about it and you can kind of tell what i i like about these scenes is that you can you see their rooms and you get to see how their rooms kind of reflect their personalities so like that younger enforcer guy he had like um arcade machines and like a really relaxed fun room um kogami all i think that we've seen of his room is that there's he fights in there he has like a punching bag and then he has a lot of like detective stuff in there like files yeah so this is where they reveal you know he he says that his partner sasayama who was an enforcer so at this time it would be uh that kogami was the detective and then the enforcer is sasayama and while they were investigating this case he dies but what i really liked is that he points out that the holograms mattered so he talks about the hologram they put him under was something about peace like something to find peace or like to relax or something like that and he says that his partner died painfully like he was alive most of the time that like all the stuff was happening and that he thinks that it's a message like together that there can be no peace it's very grim yeah this is this some dark stuff (laughs) and it's just gonna get worse guys because we we cut away so there's a popular girl at this all-girls school and she's trying to recruit people for her art club and we cut away to her drawing this picture in the art club room by herself this horrific picture of like a dead body in a statue form while this while she's doing this this kind of this other girl's like hey i guess she's interested in joining the art club it was the girl that she was talking to at the beginning the one that they were like talking over the tablets and then they kind of bond and she's like i, I know how you're feeling little do we know where she's luring her in we cut away yeah so these two two construction like not construction but like city workers um come up to the water fountain and they get somebody to turn it off and when they go in they like see this this statue and as they take like a closer like because the guy keeps looking at it he's like this is creepy like this is weird blah 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 and when he gets closer he's like oh it kind of looks like a person and then so we cut away and we have and this is where ginaza and um kogami kind of get into an argument when ginaza goes into kogami's room Kogame is digging through all these files and he's saying that these are all connected. That all these things that don't seem connected, like the drone thing and the avatar stealing guy, he's like, these are connected. Someone is finding people who can be pushed to kill and they're pushing them to kill people. So we cut away and we see the girl is like the popular girl from earlier. She's doing like another kind of messed up painting, but now she's talking to like this this full grown man um and i think she was talking about her father at that point or something so you realize that like what she's painting is basically her father's 
creepy artwork and um that she they talk about shakespeare a little bit so he says something about like the child like are you something like willing to die for or whatever something along those lines and she's like no because i still have a lot more artwork to do and that's where we end episode six on a very creepy note. Yeah, just a creepy cliffhanger there. So, like we do on every episode, we kind of rate the six or however many episodes we watch between a scale of one to five shots. So, how many shots are you giving these six episodes? For me, I think it's like a it's a three point five because I don't like that they don't explain a lot of things. Um, and then I also don't like how like intense it started. I felt like we needed to like be eased into that. Okay. Well, I will say when I first started watching it. And I watched the first two episodes. I was like, I don't like this show at all. It's kind of, I'm not feeling it. I was like, I'm definitely going to be a two shot show for me. At the end of episode six, I think this is my highest rated show. I'm giving it four shots. I am and I actually probably after we're done recording, I'm going to watch the next episode. <laughs> really? I'm in. This mystery's got me. I wasn't expecting that. I actually thought that you weren't into it, like, for the whole thing. No, I was, I kind of enjoying the proceduralness of this show, and I really enjoyed the mystery of it. Now that they're, we're kind of getting breadcrumbs, I want to see where it leads off, because each episode's kind of been a, a real cliffhanger the last three episodes we watched. Yeah, I think, to me, I think what lowers it down is that it's not too much of a mystery for me. But I'm also a person that likes a lot of mystery things and, and is into that. So this one feels like it's like they too much spoon fed it to you. But you're coming from a new, like a fresh perspective and you don't feel like that. No, I don't feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting enough clues just to kind of get a, I'm slightly ahead of them is mm -hmm. how I feel. And I, yeah. I, I enjoy that. As long as I don't get too far ahead of our group, I'll be mm -hmm. fine. But right now I'm in like a really sweet spot because I know a little more than they do. So it's going to be fun to see how they get to that area yeah yeah i think it's it's harder for me like i'm i mix scenes in and stuff just because i've seen it like a few times so i i feel like my brain jumps ahead it's it's harder to, i feel like it's one of these shows that you sh you should do like one round of it and then that's kind of it well i'm excited to get into it so we got a whole bunch more episodes left. I can't really... I'm like going. I can't do the math in my head. But what I do know is next week we'll be watching episodes 7 through 12. And if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. They're all at the Anime Bar. And like always... Cheers! cheers.